podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on AI Pro, podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Downey, and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Aston Villa 1, Liverpool 2 in the Premier League from Villa Park are Jim Boardman and Mo Chatra. Um, Jim, it means we're still in it. Obviously, City's goal difference makes it really, if we're being honest, a four-point lead when they win their game in hand, if they win their game in hand. So it's become a very difficult thing, but I'll just be really pleased if this dogged team of ours just keeps winning the fucking games and saying, "Okay, go ahead, buy another league, but we're right there with you. Yeah, you've got to do it. You've got to keep breathing down the necks. I mean... I think if we're honest with ourselves, if we looked at the beginning of April and said, how many points are you going to get from the league? We'd have probably said that's not a bad run for what we've had so far in the league since then or wherever. But it's it's just how it's just how these things go. It was never sort of in our in our hands unless we sort of unless we beat them in our last fixture against them, our last league fixture, which of course we did just after that in the FA Cup. So what we have to do is you just have to keep going, keep winning and winning and winning. Because what I'd like to think is that at the end of the season whatever happens, I can look at the team and say, look, you didn't mess up. Because I don't think we messed up against Spurs. It was just a tough game against a team that must have, you know, almost kind of planned all season to play us. And that's going to be out for the rest of the season, maybe. But if we can come away with three points, one way or another, the pressure's all on City then, you know, and that maybe, maybe they'll, um, they'll buckle. Who knows? And that's the thing about winning. You keep that option open. You do. And, and, and it's almost... Uh, a matter of pride at this stage to keep that uh, run going and keep that, like I say, uh, as you say as well, kind of finger uh, 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 just pointing at them and tell them we haven't gone away. And I mean, Jim, just to get one more thought from you before I go to Mo, it wasn't, it wasn't particularly pretty, um, but I would say, I think, you know, we we tend to get a little bit, um, from Sky, you tend to get a little bit of um, oh, underdog preference going on. But I will say, I thought Aston Villa were a real threat tonight. I thought they were a tough team to play against. The reason I bring it up, man, is not because I want to be eulogising about Aston Villa um, at all. Um, Stephen Gerrard, I know Stephen Gerrard. It's because I'm wondering, maybe they might have enough about them to possibly nick a goal if a couple of their, their players did well and maybe it could be one of those games. So maybe there's something that they can do for us against City because God knows, if we're being honest, mate, the rest of the Premier League are just beaten before they start. It's been a cakewalk for City on so many occasions. It's really embarrassing. It is. It is. I mean, and it kind of puts me in mind of how things were when Man United were winning leagues for that spell 
oh too long spell that they were winning things because they go against teams and every once in a while you'd see a team put a fight up actually go in there with a bit of self-belief actually think you know maybe we can get something from this and they you know and quite often they would or they'd come close to it yeah a week later maybe when you were hoping they'd slip up they'd just they'd just be they'd, i mean if someone told you that the other team had taken a bribe to throw the game that's how bad it was they were just they just rolled over and there's been a bit of that this season in clubs not that they've taken bribes just that they've been so bad you wouldn't be surprised if they had but i think what what villa did tonight was they showed that that you can play against liverpool and not just sit there and defend for 90 minutes and hope that a counter goes your way they actually you know they actually took the initiative quite a bit, a bit like Villarreal did away against us. And when that happens, actually, you've got a bit of a chance. And if you've got a chance against us doing that, you've got a chance against City. So, yeah, yeah logically, I think Villa have got it in them to cause an upset against City. But, you know, they need they need to go out with that same kind of attitude they had tonight. And maybe maybe what Steven Gerrard says to them after this is, you know what, lads, that was close. You know how close we were. Here's a few things to tweak. Here's a few things to change. Here's a few things to do better, and we can beat City. And I just hope that's what happens. Not, and he'll not do it for us. He'll do it for himself because that—that's a team that, as it stands now, looks looks promising, looks interesting. A hundred percent. I look forward to talking um, with both of you about them as we get on with the show. And most get your initial thoughts as well. I mean, it is easy to be despondent because you see the goal difference opening back up. And like I said, that's as good as a point now to City. Um, you know, so it kind of effectively makes it like a four point lead. And yet, you know, if that reversal does happen, there are sums that can be done and you wouldn't put anything past this Liverpool team of ours. Or would you at the moment? Because I can't be the only fan who is you know, more fond of Mo Salah than I am of some of my family, and yet not afraid to say, just for fear of getting shouted at by top reds, not afraid to say that the fella's been bang out of form for quite a while compared to the wonders that he was producing earlier on, um, that he's not been scoring goals compared to the wonders that he was carrying out early on. And I don't give a shit at Mo. I want, I want him to be that good every week and I don't really care how unrealistic it is. And when it goes on for a long period of time, um, I sort of then start to raise my eyebrow at the possibility of us running up big scores. Sure, Sadio can do it. Jada has not exactly been prolific lately. Diaz can do it. But you would love to see the main man just popping in a couple of goals, especially when he comes on late there and has a couple of opportunities. But I thought one or two of his touches were a bit lackadaisical, actually. So these kind of things make me wonder if it's actually possible. Um, you want to talk me off this ledge, Mo, or are you feeling similar thoughts? Oh, I, I'm feeling very similar thoughts and have been feeling that way for a number of weeks now. Um, you know, Mo in the first half of the season was arguably the best player in the world. Um, in the second half of the season, nowhere near. Um, you know, th- this run of form has extended to a period of about four months now. Um, and we've seen it before with Mo. We've seen him go through prolonged spells where um, you know, he has these one or two, maybe three or four bad games, and then he almost tries too hard and he overcomplicates things. And, uh, you know, he, he'll make wrong decisions as a result. And, uh, you know, we see it time and again with, with him. And I, th- I think Jürgen's got a very big call to make because, you know, Mo's got this weekend's final in the FA Cup plus the remaining two league games to show that, um, 
there is still something there. Otherwise, you know, Jürgen has to give serious thought to the possibility of starting the game against Madrid on the 28th with Mo on the bench. And that seems, if you mention that to anyone, um, you know, even a few weeks ago, certainly several months ago, that would have been a completely um, laughable suggestion. And yet he's not really showing a great deal to make a case for him to be starting that game at this stage. Um, and, you know, we, we, we know that um, Diaz is causing opposition teams all sorts of other. Um, Mane, he can be a bit ragged at times, but he is scoring these goals. And, you know, his work rate is certainly there. Um, and then, you know, Bobby is back. And, you know, Bobby brings that magic and unpredictability. And, you know, there have been times this season when, you know, he has shown um, some of that quality that we all grew to adore in seasons past. Whereas with Mo, at this stage, there is very, very little um, resemblance to what we saw in the first half of the season when he was an absolute menace and a complete terror um, to opposition teams. And yes, I mean, he, he will still um, graft and he still has been producing assists. But, you know, we, we treasure him for his goal scoring and uh, that has really fallen off a cliff. I mean, sure, he still scored seven in this calendar year. Um, I think two or three of those have been penalties and a couple have been against Manchester United and you and I can score against them at the moment. But um, <laughs> I, I, I think that, yeah, Jürgen, if, if this kind of form carries on in the next three games, has a big, big decision to make come the Champions League final. I'm just glad to hear you say it because honestly, um, it, it's gonna obviously you know it as well as I do. It's that kind of chat rubs people the wrong way, but it's just nice to have a little bit of realistic talk occasionally because, um, you know, you have to talk about what you can see and the stats there. The, the starkest one of all is is that seven goals in the calendar year because that's a long time. That's been a long time, um, and obviously we'd love nothing more than him to finish with a flourish and um, bang in a couple of winners in the two finals, that type of thing. I hope very much that is what happens. And I wondered when I saw him on the bench if it might have been an issue where we just say, "Oh, look, step out altogether." Is it we? we the, you always have to qualify by the amount of football the man's played. Um, but Sadio has to, and he's coming up with clutch goals when we need them, and uh, we just need that back from Mo because we want these trophies. We're all greedy for these trophies. It's not about singling out lads; it's about talking about your very best footballer, as you said, a lad who could have held up his hand to be the best in the world at one point in this season. Uh, you just want him to be that because well, Christ knows we're going to need him, especially now, um, depending on what's going on with Fabinho and and Mo. Before we move forward, could, could you answer a question for me? Because when I rolled in very late to this to day um i'd been sort of out of commission with a migraine i rolled very late into this game today and had no concept of the andy robbo situation and then looked at the squad and i was going what in the name of god's going on here so was it known or is it known or what was the crack Was he just rested is he taken out is he injured what's going on with robbo tonight yeah so i, th- I think um with, with robertson um uh, I think, you know, in the post-match, um, you may hear some comments from, from Jürgen, but uh, I, I think that um, it's more perhaps a case of um, being rested uh, okay. than any kind of injury. I've not heard anything um, since um, the squad, sorry, the, the lineup was announced um, around seven o'clock um, 
though, unless um, Jim's heard anything, but um, as of right now, I've not heard anything suggest there is an injury there. Okay. No, not me, not me. Um, I think I think I think he's a good candidate to be rotated because you've got such a good player coming for him. So yeah. I do hope that's all there is. But yeah. If we're being honest as well, he wasn't at his best against Spurs, having had had a couple of great games before that. So, yeah, it would make sense. And it was for that reason, with Bobby back, I thought Mo might be taken out of this out of the, the, the firing line completely as well and given a proper rest. That's, that's kind of why I'm just, I found the whole thing a little bit weird. The Reds lineup tonight, lads, we went with Allison. Um, Joel Matip took his place back alongside Virgil with, as Mo has mentioned, uh, Simic is coming in for Robbo and obviously Trent um, in his spot. He, the midfield was Fabinho and Keita and Jones, um, which, again, is not one that's featured a lot of time together. An interesting one. And seeing our manager, um, you know, deciding to take a little chance and take out uh, both the captain and uh, Thiago in that situation. Uh, and we went with Jones. Oh, sorry, we went with Jota, Mane and Diaz up top. Um, I suppose Jürgen has to be very clever with how he's managing the squad at this time. And once we walk away at the end of the day with three points, um, you, you can just say it's job done. So it's very, very hard to make too many arguments in and around that lineup choice. I would say this here, and I'll just pop this question to you, Jim, for a start. Um, it's a bit of a weird one going with Curtis, ha- having not seen Curtis feature much at all for quite a long time in what is, no matter what way you look at it, they're all finals now. Uh, this the, the league games feel a little bit just like a, a pressurised um, hiding to nothing in some cases. And yet, you know, it doesn't make them any less important. Um, it was a big call by the manager, I thought. It was, and I mean, it's we don't know what goes on on the training ground and, and how good they're showing on the training ground. And I think I think at this stage of the season as well, I mean, adrenaline will get you through a game, but how many games in a row will it mad that mad spell? And then the game against Spurs came. You know, we, we had perhaps our biggest gap of this end of the season that we have between games, but it's still, you know, it's still... Um, no time at all, like from a Saturday night fixture to a, a Tuesday night fixture. You know, there's not really been a, a lot of time. So, with the cup final ahead as well, you've got to have an eye on that because I think I think Saturday's result in some ways made that maybe a little bit more important. I think would would he have rotated the same way if we'd won on Saturday? Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, but he's got to rotate, and I think Jones is. You know, Jones is a decent enough player when he when he's on his game, when he plays well. He needs the experience. He wasn't particularly out of his depth tonight any more than anyone was. I think I think uh, Fabinho was struggling and we looks like he's got an injury now, sadly, but he he struggled a couple of times. Cater had his was up and down. I had one of one of his games where he's a little bit up and down. So I think who else could he pick? If you pick Henderson, the the downside then is that he maybe thinks he wants Henderson to come into some kind of role on the at the weekend, whether it's from the start or for a sort of perhaps a spell off the bench with extra time included. So it's, you know, I think I think I preferred Jones to Milner tonight, in all honesty. I think Jones offered more than what Milner maybe would have offered, all due respect to Jimmy. But um it's just it's just it's just one of those lineups. I think he's just he's gotta make the changes. And up front, I think it was about time Mo Salah got got a, um, a spell on the bench. And I think any any decent striker through history who's having a bit of a bad run 
will see a spell on the bench as an as an opportunity to do everything they can when they get back on the pitch. And, you know, and that was that was in some ways a little disappointing tonight because that's not what Mo Salah did. He was not coming off that bench thinking, I'll show him, I'll show him. Um, although, of course, he's not been dropped. He's been rotated and maybe it was just his turn to have a rest. But, yeah, it's it, it's... It's something the club said before again, though. He was asked about the changes, and I think there was almost a hint of saying, like, is it because it's only Aston Villa or something? I think they were hoping they could get something like that out of him, but no, the, the answer was more along the lines of, we've got to, we've got to make these changes. This is how it is. We've got all these games thick and fast. We've got quality and depth. We've got to make a lot of changes, and, and I, think, I think that's true. I think we've got to keep that quality going next season, though. I think that's a really interesting point about whether or not the Spurs result might have influenced tonight's lineup, and I think you're very you're very right in that regard. Now he's got a, it does come down to small percentages and and, and margins, and which becomes the greater objective. And um, yeah, I think I think that's a very very good point around the the this the selection tonight. Um, interestingly, Joel back in as well. I thought he had a very good game too. We'll talk plenty about him as it goes. Mo, let me swing it back towards you with this Aston Villa team, which was very, very interesting. Um, and I think we've all already made sort of positive comments about them uh, and what they're doing under uh, Stephen Gerrard. You know, I will hold my hands up and, and, and admit that I kind of genuinely wondered what Stevie might be able to offer as a manager and a coach. I, I did. Um Because I often thought, you know, lauded and all as he was as our captain, you know, there was a sort of a, a sentimental view of it too. And sometimes he, he used to play the game in a very emotional way. And I wonder, would he be able to um, do the sort of distance thing and, and, and the analytical thing? But he seems to very much uh, be on on a track to managerial success, having had some already, obviously, and learned how to win a trophy and stuff like that. It's 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 lovely to see, in, fa- in fairness. Um and this squad tonight, they went with a team of Martinez, who we know is a very capable um, goalkeeper. Manny Cash, who's highly rated. Consa and Mings in the centre and Luca Dean on the other side. Um, Marvellous Nakamba, who has the best name ever. Uh, McGinn and Douglas Louise. And this is all, these are all good footballers, you know, um, maybe. Maybe you might take exception to, to Tyrone Mings being called a good footballer, but some people rate him very highly. He's been in the English squad. And then they've got Coutinho, Watkins and Ings. And damn it, uh, Mo, there's a lot of exciting uh, talent there. You could, you could still see, you could see in Danny Ings how fucking terrifyingly dangerous he is. And uh, Coutinho did a few Coutinho things. Watkins really is a handful. Um, and in Douglas Louise, McGinn and Nakamba, and then with the ability to bring on Buendia, they've got a lot of creative um, players and their fullbacks drive on. The centre halves had a solid enough sort of a platform most of the time. Um, that's not a bad team at all, man. What did you make of them? And was that pretty much how you expected them to go? Because I think. Buendia might have felt a little bit unlucky not to start. Yeah, that's right. I mean, um, bar Jacob Ramsey was injured um, and a couple of other injuries. They were close to full strength. And uh, yeah, I think Buendia was perhaps the only debatable um, call from Gerard. Other than that, uh, the rest of the team pretty much picked itself. And as you say, um, quality throughout that team. I mean, uh, Last season under Dean Smith, I thought that um, 
for, for large stretches of uh, the 2021 season, they were actually pretty impressive. Um, really liked the way they played. Um, they, they invested a lot of money um, and brought in a lot of players, but uh, you know some of what they uh, did last season was impressive. This season started um, disappointed note under Smith and obviously once he went and then Gerard came after um, he needed some time to really I think get to know his squad um, you know to begin with he, he struggled to um, get Watkins and Ings to function effectively together and it, it, it's still not a pairing up front which is firing all cylinders but there has been some signs of improvement there recent weeks and I think that going into next season if, if you can get those two to work more effectively uh, you know Villa can certainly be you know comfortably in the top half of the table and even pushing for Europa places um, with, with the right recruitment over the summer but uh, you know they've got Phil who you know certainly not the player he perhaps was two three four years ago but still you know has oozes quality and uh you know, McGinn, you know, on his day can be a very dangerous customer as well. Um, you know, Ezra Konza, who's a favourite of uh, our esteemed colleague Dave Hendrick, um, and Tyron Mings, um, you know, perhaps not quite at the level of a concert, but uh, yeah, for sure, um, not a pushover by any stretch of the imagination. Yes, they haven't um, impressed all that much over the last few months, but. Um, there have been some signs there that you know that they are improving, and hopefully, Dave's performance will give them some encouragement uh, going into their final home game of the season against Manchester City. <laughs> yeah, because we want them as encouraged as all hell, that's for sure. I would be very, very interested to see who is <clears throat> refereeing that last game. Um, I'm sure those things are available. We'll certainly keep an eye on it anyway. And we will hope, I think, that it is not this evening's referee, Mr. John Moss, who um, had quite the afternoon or evening out there uh, trundling about uh, miles off the pace, um, seemingly making up decisions uh, without having seen the action because he was nowhere near the action. I watched a a bunch of movie, lads. Um, Maybe you remember this one. I think it was Ray Winston, and it was some sort of like Borstal type movie when he was only a young lad. And uh, in the scene, he gets a, a a sock, and he's holding a sock, and he's got a, 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 a like a pool ball or a snooker ball, and he says, uh, "Sock, snooker ball," and then he puts the snooker ball inside the sock, and he goes, "Lethal weapon." And now I'm thinking, okay, if you got a black tube sock. And you did your damnedest sweating, spending ages to force a beach ball in there. That's what you've got with John Moss. Not <laughs> a lad who's just going to trundle about. And when you eventually hit hit something with it, they're going to just be annoyed. Like, for example, uh, Kansa was annoyed in the early part of the game today and gave John Moss, such a tirade of abuse. I've never seen anything like it since Wayne Rooney was plying his trade in the Premier League and used to verbally abuse referees for crack. Whatever the crack, I know, I, I know Moss is retiring. I know it's been announced, but he really is taking the piss. You have to say it's like 
you cannot be in that condition. It's 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 like taking the piss out of everybody to pitch up for matches looking like that, mm-hmm. and then to not even have the mobility to sort of like make people wonder how he can move so quickly while so so rotund. Um, he doesn't even have the decency to do that. Like maybe he's a lovely man, but my God, he is not fit for purpose, and that is for sure. And you know, he was Jim, dripping you know, with sweat, wasn't he? He was dripping with sweat oh, like two minutes so- in. You know, and I'm thinking, what did he did he forget something in the dressing room and it's still COVID times or something? He's got to go out to the car park, but it's not, is it? I mean, and it's not even as if in COVID he was like me, spending most of my days in the same house. You know, my longest walk was upstairs or downstairs. You know, he's he's, he's no excuse to be so unfit. You know, he's he's being paid good money, I am sure, to do what he does, but he's not doing a good job for his money and he made me laugh because I mean the, the Villa fans did sing a few times that he wasn't fit to referee it's just that they had a different reason for singing it he just I think he makes up random decisions I mean it's almost like I'd say he, he could toss a coin to decide which way to go but he kind of has you know give it to the to the home team give it to the away team I don't know just ignore it and it, he, he just he's just lost he really is and I'm sure I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it in a bit, but when, when they scored their opener, I mean, if the VAR ref sort of shouted down the mic, any, anything you want me to look at, John, the answer would have been, <gasps> <gasps> <laughs> nothing. He wouldn't have been able to say anything. Uh, yeah, there's no communication going to happen there with Johnny. That's probably why he allows people to abuse him because he can't get enough air into his uh, lungs to uh, formulate a sentence in response. And it, it's, it's interesting you bring that up because I, I want to talk to both of you about this opening. Because the the opening is massively important. Um, on two minutes, the ball uh, is the, there's a ball over the top. Watkins is in an offside position, but gets a shot away. It's a decent hit, and Ali saves it well. And the ball breaks, and it breaks out to Ali's left, uh, and works its way back. There's no flag um, for the Watkins thing because modern football is stupid, um, and you know, later on, we got to hear Jamie Redknapp, the famous uh, top man model stroke pundit, um, telling us about phases, first phases and second phases, making shit up as he went along. Um, he's been going but through that phase ball, all his life, though, hasn't he? So it's not he's, he, it's, it's an endless <laughs> phase for Jamie. Uh, so as that ball breaks, it's a simple cross then from the left by Dean. It has us in a bit of a mess, if we're being perfectly honest. Uh, Joel and Simicus ends up falling over. Um, so Ruiz, uh, Luis gets the, the, the header away. Ali, of course, saves it. And Luis follows up to bundle off, bundle in the, uh, the rebound from Ali's um, hands and chest. Now, I wanted to get a take from both of you, a definitive take on what you think happened here and whether or not we can open up this book on first and second phase. Because there is not much between um the Ali save uh from uh Watkins and the goal it's not like uh, there's a tremendous amount of play and later on there's a couple of situations where you know w- w- late on in the match we let Ings go through and score um because we were so confident he was offside um here what we should have done is let Watkins score um, yeah. Ali should have just let it in because then uh, justice is done. The flag goes up like it fucking always should when a player is offside, uh, and blah blah blah. But it doesn't go up, 
and play goes on. Now, I, help me explain, Jim. I'll come to you first. Help me explain why the flag doesn't go up when the ball comes away from Ali uh, having made the save. Why does the why does the flag not go up then? Well, that's, yeah, I think, I think first of all, if 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 that save hadn't been made and that ball had gone in the back of the net, the VAR, without any shadow of a doubt, would have been looking to see if there was an offside. Whether the flag had gone up or not, they'd have been looking either to say, you know, the assistant was right to flag, the assistant was wrong to flag. They'd be looking at that. Um, you know, they would overrule an offside at that point. They've got the balls in the back of the net. Likewise, they would overrule a not offside at that point. But, of course, the ball didn't go in, so they carried on. Now, now to me, if that is this so-called phase two begins, then that's the point where the linesman says, well, actually, you were offside there, lads, and I'll let you play on to see what happened. But now nothing happened and that phase is over. Here's my flag. Offside. Off you go. But he didn't. So all I can think of is yep. that, I mean, the only excuse he's got in a way is that he can say he didn't think it was offside. And I don't know how he can say that, because, I mean, even before VAR, you'd have been slagged for being so bad at not spotting an offside that blatant. And it wasn't a close one at all. But understandably, no. they let things go on. So you can't have it both ways. If To me, if it's if it's another phase, why didn't he flag at the end of phase one? I don't think he was another phase. I think it was probably all part of one, in which case you go all the way back to the start of the play. You look at the lines, you draw the lines on the pitch and he's offside. Um, we're, in, we're in a panic. We're in a bit of a panicky situation in the box. You know, the reason we're in a panicky situation in the box is because someone was offside and we're out of all, you know, we're not properly organised and all the rest of it. Now, to me, another phase won't begin. I might, may, maybe enough, and a referee might know differently. I'm sure BT's guy will be on the case soon enough. But to me, that that wasn't if if the ball if you disorganise if you're not a chance to recover, not a chance to carry on. It's it's still that same phase in my in my opinion. You're still under the cosh that you shouldn't be under because the referee should have said stop. It's an indirect free kick to the defending side. So yeah, it's it. I, I find it hard to defend that. Not, you know, and this is the thing. I think this is one of the frustrating things. Liverpool's offside um, way of playing and, and chanting it, if you like, with those offsides that people who don't support Liverpool are very sort of negative about and call us lucky and stuff when it's not. Tonight, they didn't really breach our offside very much. And the time they scored, they, you know, they were offside and that should not have been allowed to stand. And also, just one other thing, wasn't there a foul in the box? Because they didn't really show much of that, but it looked like there was a foul in the box anyway. Maybe not. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, if you're talking about Simicus, uh, mm. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not 100% sure because he goes over fairly funny. But I think Simicus is the one who's pushing first. Certainly yeah. on the replays I saw. Um, Mo, let me get get your top and tour on this as well because myself and Jim seem to be similar on the same page here. Maybe you've got a different take on things. But you know, once the ball goes dead, having uh, been bundled in by Louise, there's an opportunity for VAR to assess what had happened in the build up. Now, we've seen goals disallowed for fellas being offside in the build-up when they were directly involved. Now, you don't get much more directly involved than having a shot at the fucking goalkeeper, Mo, uh, and the the, the re- resultant um, carnage uh, that that can uh, lead to. So talk to me a little bit about what your take on that was. Well, I, I think it was yet another case of um, E.J. Morell incompetence um, where... The officials perhaps are unclear about exactly what the rules are when it comes to offside. Um, offside should be offside, but um, based on the like, benefit of that and playing on, um, perhaps the VAR official w- was not entirely clear 
um, about um, the rules that should be applied. That, that's the only explanation I can come up with because had it been clear, surely, surely that had to have been offside. Um, but the fact that it was looked at and still not given off uh, offside suggests to me that uh, yeah, that there was uh, there, there was certainly um, some confusion there. there. There had to be, in my view. But um, yeah, it, it was you know yet yet another case this season, last season, the season before of um, incompetence on the part of English officials in this Premier League, and uh, you know, you know that that incident aside, the officiating through the game, and both fans were aggrieved with the officiating, um, was all down to the fact that uh, that the standard of refereeing and officiating in this country is is is, is poor, and you know that that was yet another example. Of it. Yeah, I mean it's. It's just so disappointing. And again, I don't know what you guys were watching. I had it on Sky, which is the channel that I had that was co- covering it. And um, no discussion about it. Just no discussion about it. Nobody wanted to talk about it. And I'm not doing this from a partisan point of view. It's just not okay. You can't have this. Um, and, you know, in a, in, a, in a different situation, that may well have cost us a title challenge. That's all I'm going to say. It's as simple as that. It may well do. What if the goal difference is back to one? You know, this is this is the kind of shit that cannot be allowed to happen. And there is literally no need for it to happen. They have all the tools in place now for them to be able to analyze something coldly. And I think, you know, you talk about incompetence, Mo. There's a real, real argument for taking a lot of these decisions out of the hands of people who are, you know, the set match officials and in, when putting those decisions into the hands of people who are like dead eyed analysts who have got metrics and data in front of them and can actually make the right call because it's starting to get ludicrous. But however, Mo, I'll stick with you because we, um, in gr- a sign of the tremendous character of this team, I think barely two minutes have passed and we're level. It's a Trent free into the box. This time it's their turn to be in a bit of a flap. Um, a couple of their guys missing it, I think, including um, uh, Tyrone Mings. The ball seems to get caught under his feet. Uh, Joel has a bit of a chip at it. Jota has a bit of a flick at it. It comes across to Virgil, who's on the left-hand side of the uh, penalty box, and he centres um, with a sort of half volley, hooks it in. And it's Joel Matip who stretches forward and pokes at home. Um, and there's no danger of it being offside. It was a goal you could celebrate immediately. They did, however, decide they were going to have a look at it. I think there might have been a... a, a it's, there was, there, there, this is the irony. There was a VAR check for this freaking goal. And I think the only thing I could see, Mo, that might have been causing issues was was Jota fouling. Other than that, I couldn't see what they were possibly checking. Um, but... First of all, give me a take in the goal and, and, you know, like I say, it does say a lot about these boys. You just went up and go, okay, we're back in it now. And we did sort of start to play our game soon after the half hour mark, not after the goal, if we're being perfectly honest. Um, so th- there's that side to talk about. But maybe as well, if you could just if, give me your take on what you think they might have even been looking at there, because that was all I could come up with was the job to have a bit of a nip at someone. Um what was your take on our equaliser? 
Yeah, certainly um, not one for the highlight reel. Um, bit of a scrappy goal, to say the least. Um, decent delivery from Trent. I thought Trent on the night had another overall disappointing game. Not for the lack of effort, not for the lack of trying, um, but some of that quality that, again, another player who we saw uh, really deliver in spades in the first half of the season. Certainly in the last three or so months, been a little bit off the boil compared to his very sky-high standards. Um, but nonetheless, for, for that step piece, very good delivery. Um, Mings was typical Mings and uh, got his feet tangled up, which then allowed us to uh, fashion uh, one or two chances off of that error. Um, and eventually landed at the feet of Joel and from um, about two, three yards out, um, uh, uh, tapped it into the net. And uh, I, th- I think the only disappointment for me was the fact that it was an equaliser, not a goal to put us into the lead. Had it been to put us into the lead, um, arms would have been swinging and the, the celebration would have been um, one to savour from Big Joel. But uh, nonetheless, you know, he was all business, um, got the equaliser and wanted to... Uh, get the game restarted and it, it was good because you know we, we saw it at Anfield where Villa you know um, was set up to basically defend in numbers and put everyone behind the ball and I, I suspect they would have tried to do that had this lead extended for more than a couple of minutes um, but we obviously didn't give them a chance and so I thought I thought the goal was really vital and um, to come as soon as it did after theirs. Jim I'd love to say that with that goal, we started to take the game to them and away from them and assert our Redsy style dominance on the match. That's not how it worked. Um, key to that was the fact that they seemed to be able to uh, run at us and we did not have the firmest of grips of the centre of the park. Um, a lot of things were going on there. I would say that in that first half, uh, Naby and Fab had some of their worst minutes. Um, I would say that Curtis is never going to be the player who is the sort of metronome in there. And I'm not 100% sure where he is on the team charts when it comes to interceptions and foot-ins. I think he's good at them really high up the pitch. But where we need them in defensive matters, not sure about his strengths in that regard. Because the way the match pans out after the equaliser is straight away there's a dangerous Watkins cross, well claimed by Ali. He rolls out to Jota. Jota carried the ball the length of the field and then hit a poor pass into Diaz. Quite a lot of poor passing going on from the Reds over the last few games. Lads just Mm. not choosing the right pass. On 11 minutes, there was a really dangerous Manny Cash ball into our box. Um, Consa, at that point then, shouting and roaring at John Moss because he didn't like a decision that went against him. And like I said, it's 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 pure bullying. And how I look, I suppose I'm, I'm very hyper aware of this as someone who uh, has a job where it's fairly important that you have a level of authority mm. uh, in the way that you're dealing with the people around you and um, that you don't brook any nonsense whatsoever. To see a man who's, you know, games from ending his career being 
bowled out of it by someone. I just, I just don't think it's okay. I think it's, and I mean, I mean for him, I mean it's not okay for him to allow that to happen. It sets a really poor standard. You cannot allow allow people to verbally bully like that. He should be back on his toes and being told to shut the fuck up, or he will be in the in the book. It's it's really strange, and it's it's another thing I hope we we see uh, less and less of as we get rid of some of these older um, lads that go out to pasture. Um, but like I say, the game is not the way we want it to be. There is a good effort by Sally on 18 minutes. He heads narrowly wide from a great Simicus cross. I will talk endlessly about Sadio Mane in the second half because what a what a man he is. Then we have a scary moment. Ali <laughs> kicks the ball straight at Watkins, <laughs> but he recovers enough to sort of swivel as he's half on the deck and play the ball. Out, I think to Trent on the right wing. That's in 21 minutes. 23 minutes. There was a short corner played by them. A dink ball in, and Ings got up ahead of our all of our defenders. And just nods it narrowly over from that McGinn cross. It's it's very, very close. Fabinho had been, if we're being honest to him at this stage, Jim, pretty loose with several touches. And then on 27 minutes, he's on the deck. Um, like I say, he'd given the ball away really atypically. He had been a bit off. Uh, and by 29 minutes, and this is where I'll pause it with you here to talk about this chunk, we bring on Hendo for Fab, who's gone off. And all we could see, Jim, was in the slow motion replay of what led to him going down or sitting on the deck. He seemed to be holding the back of his tie, which is never a good sign. Um, I'm keeping an eye out on Twitter here as we as we scroll and on the official website to see if we can get any quotes from Klopp or anything and he takes away from the from from anybody on the injury. So if you do get anything, let us know. Um, you're taking that stage of the match, Mo or, or the Jim, sorry, where we should have really, like I said, gone on to assert a bit of dominance, but we had the game taken to us and possibly had a lot to do with. Um, the main man being a little bit out of sorts. Yeah, I think I think going back to what you said about the referee as well, I can't can't let him go. I mean, I agree with what you're saying as well about having the authority to deal with these situations because if that was um you know if that was like a 23 year old referee who'd just been doing his first Premier League game and he didn't know what prima donnas he was dealing with and all the rest of it and, and couldn't cope with the big crowd and all the other stuff. You, you'd kind of say, well, yeah, maybe give him more training, but it'll come, we'll get the experience. I mean, like you, like you say, you're used to dealing with people because and years of experience have helped you to do to do that, to show authority in your, in your day-to-day life. And no doubt you come across people who come into it fresh, they're not knowing how to do it. And, it, and you know, and somebody who's done it for years can go to them and say, look, this is how you do it. Well, John Moss should be the one who says to the young referees, this is how you get control. This is how you show who's boss. You know, get point at your cards, you know, mention your cards, call a captain over. There's ways and means of doing it where if you don't want to put them straight away, you make it clear that it's not going to last much longer because once they know that they can, t- that if they take an inch, you'll, you know, you, they can even get a yard. They'll, they'll keep going and going and going. And I think, just just to kind of follow on from that, what it what I thought today was you could tell when when Villa got free kicks, certainly in that in that first half, the set pieces were sort of well planned, well rehearsed. The you know, they had they had some good ideas on what to do with set pieces. Now to get a set piece, you've got to win them. And they seem to be doing a lot to win set pieces. Like they were going down very easily, they were kind of 
doing the kind of foul, you know, doing the kind of movements on the ball where they're hoping to get a foul. We were falling for it, and John Moss was just facilitating it. So I think, you know, there's there's a lot of things there that kind of are out of our control to some extent. We we maybe need to be wise and look that maybe they're trying to win free kicks here because that's, you know, arguably one of the best ways of getting a goal. And there was at least one set piece that that did look really good and nearly did come off for them. I can remember. I can't remember what stage that was in. But that, you know, that that's something we've got to watch. But of course, it's not just that. I think, you know, we 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 were giving free kicks away because we weren't keeping possession very well, and it has has been a, tr- a hallmark of the last few games for some reason that we're just not picking the right pass. We're, we're passing too weak, passing inaccurately, passing at the wrong time. It was just like we just we've just kind of lost our rhythm a little bit. So we know we can do better than that, and I just hope we do soon. And I don't know what's causing that, whether it's nerves anxiety tiredness whatever it needs it needs sorting but then you know you you sort of the thing is with Liverpool is that we can we can kind of ride that out on the whole we saw with Alisson he made a big mistake today and then just made it all better immediately himself and you know as usual he was the the last line of defense and and we needed him and he paid his wages once again tonight very easily but yeah I think Alisson does things now and again but you've got to allow that I think the reason he makes those kind of mistakes is because he's such a positive thinking goalkeeper. But, you know, for the person at the back of the pitch, he really wants to be the person who's who's getting the goals, which he'd managed to do once for us, didn't he? Just um, just briefly on what Klopp said about Fabinho, he's, um, the quotes I've seen are that he's, Klopp said that he felt a muscle, not too much. He's quite positive, but I'm not sure what I can make of that. We'll see. So basically, he's going to have to go for a scan, isn't he? So maybe Fab's not feeling too bad, but the scan's going to be the one that tells us how bad it is. We'll see. Um, he, he just felt a muscle. So we'll see. I mean, the player will know so much about how he feels. He might be fine tomorrow, but he, he does look worrying. And maybe maybe we, uh, maybe we we're not going to see him now until maybe the Champions League final. You just don't know, do you? And that's a worry because he is such an important player to us. And that was, that was key. That was so obvious today because he wasn't at his best. And because he wasn't at his best, we weren't at our best. I think a combination of the fact that, you know, we have to be cautious because we don't know what it is, but if it, even if it is, because as you say, yeah, Cabo added there, he has a good feeling that gives me a better feeling than I had and I took him off. Uh, but he's being very circumspect about it. What, what I would imagine is that, you know, final or no final, um, we may have to be planning without him for the weekend. And then, like you say, uh, you know, it could be all about just trying to get the, the lad ready for, for Real, which is uh, a little bit of a worry. But I'll have to say, um, the, when the changes made, uh, the changes were made, um, we saw a far better Liverpool, I think, from that point on. Now, obviously, Jamie Carragher boiled it down to the fact that Jordan Henderson came on the pitch uh, and everything changed. Um, in the simplistic narrative of Sky Pundits, but <laughs> possibly we would have to allow that. Um, I think anyone would have to allow that uh, Hendo coming in and, and doing um, a half decent performance is going to be better than Fab being well off, which he was. So I guess that's uh, potentially it. But there, obviously, there's a lot more factors to it than that. And why don't you and I, uh, Mo, finish out that first half? Because 
soon after Henderson came on, we had the ball in the net after some lovely football, real kind of uh, first touch, um, um, pinged passes. It was fantastic and it ended up with the ball in the net from Sadio, but Diaz was off in the build-up. Um, then 32 minutes, um, all of those things you described as uh, Coutinho doing Coutinho things, a lovely flick. He did uh, Trent up like a, a kipper uh, down on the, on the, on the line. Got past and played a one to cut in, hit it just over. Um, you know, on a different day, that's a classic Coutinho moment with the goal as well. 34 minutes, um, there was a great move from us, which ended with uh, Trent centre to Nabi. What an opportunity this was, Mo. It's a fantastic chance from Nabi Keita. He got his feet all wrong, like really badly wrong. It's a huge opportunity for us to uh, go ahead. Uh, but it's missed because of that. Uh, and then there were a couple of Curtis Jones uh, moments towards the end of the half. 42 minutes, he intercepted a bad pass. One of those things I was talking about earlier on, which he's actually good at at the top end of the field. Um, drove a goal, hit his curling shot really kind of predictably uh, to an area that the keeper could read. So he was able to save it comfortably enough. Then he cut in again three minutes later, 45 minutes and shot over the top, bit more venom about this hit, but um, nevertheless off target. Joel Matip went on an adventure in 47 minutes, and then on 48 minutes, Trent with a really direct, driven back post corner to Jota. Jota's header back was just a little bit too high, and Sadio going for it seemed to foul his man. It was a free out, and that's pretty much how the half ended. Talk to me about that chunk of the game because it's hard to deny the fact that we did sort of get into a little bit of rhythm and show a little bit more um, typical Liverpool play and possession as well um, from that half hour mark on. It might just be a clear indication that we had a fellow there in the park who really possibly wasn't um, 100% to even to start with. Yeah, I, I certainly thought that... Um... As the first half wore on, we were exerting greater control and dominance, and uh, you know, and the half carried on for another few more minutes. Um, I really fancied our chance of um, scoring a second. I thought that um, Curtis and Naby, in particular, um, were playing increasingly well, and you know, certainly as you, as you mentioned, uh, Naby should have finished um, that great chance, which he. Uh, played a big role in creating in the first place. Um, he did really well linking up with Trent. Uh, Trent um, delivered a very fine cross, and uh, unfortunately, um, you know, Naby couldn't get his feet right and uh, up at it. But um, yeah, the build-up to that was really, really good. Uh, Curtis also, um, I was encouraged to see him making progressive runs towards the box, and uh, you know, really, really kind of running between the lines and causing. The back line of Villa, um, some problems. Um, so, so that was good to see. You know, as we, as we kind of touched on earlier, you know, hasn't really featured a great deal um, in, in recent weeks. Um, but he was given a chance today, and uh, certainly um, on his first half performance, at least, uh, I thought he uh, brought something to the game. And um, on top of that, um, I, I thought that uh, the atmosphere was. Yeah really uh, interesting as well because uh, as as that half wore on the villa fans were becoming absolutely furious with John Moss 
um, leveling all forms of abuse and um, dedicating various songs to him as well. Um, you know, so, so there was fume like nobody's business coming from uh, the Villa Faithful, um, which just kind of added added to the whole atmosphere. But uh, I, I thought that you know we, we were certainly um, getting a good hold of the game after um, you know conceding early on, and you know we were all perhaps having flashbacks to Crystal Palace in 2014 when you know we, we needed a strong win then and. Uh, it all kind of fell apart, even though arguably at that point the, the time might already have been gone anyway. But uh, you know, certainly we, we needed to show some character here, and uh, it was good that we got the goal back. And uh, we certainly looking clearly the more dominant team as uh, we reached half time. And Jim, we rolled right back in the second half with that feeling of us being kind of more us um Curtis was taken out early on uh 46 minutes that led to a free kick and from that Trent went narrowly wide of the top corner um there was a nice moment on uh 48 minutes where Coutinho had sort of got himself into an attacking position uh with a bit of a bobbling breaking ball and gotten away from from uh Virgil uh but Virgil just stood him up in that way that he does and I think basically Coutinho got his feet in a mess and, and lost the ball, but it's totally to do with the intimidation from Van Dijk. That's just what he does to lads. Uh, their heads go. Uh, and that was a nice moment. 49 minutes, there was a, a good ball in, a straight kind of through ball by Trent. It was just hit a bit too firm for Diaz. Uh, he couldn't quite get there in time. Simicus, I thought, did brilliantly 1v1 to block a Watkins effort. He was raiding down the right after Ings had played him in. Um, always nice to see a bit of good defending from our fullbacks. Uh, decent play by Sadio in 56 minutes. Uh, got us a free kind of just outside the D. Uh, and on 56, Trent again uh, had a go. He drove that one the far side, uh, wide of the keeper's left post, kind of going with a bit of power on that. And there was a gap that opened up. He just didn't get his um, angles right. They changed on the half on the hour mark. They brought on Chukwu Mecca for Nakamba on 60 minutes, and then a minute later we bring on Thiago for Curtis. By 64 minutes, Jim, we are uh, ahead, and it turns out to be the crucial goal uh, by a guy who was again for me head and shoulders above an awful lot of his, his compadres in terms of effort and strength. I've said this a million times in this show since we started it four or five years ago. Sadio Mane just pound for pound is the strongest player I've ever seen. He can just he can just hold off anybody, anything, whether it's two or three or four players, whether it's uh, some grok who's seven for four, it doesn't matter. You launch a ball at Sadio, he'll take it on his chest, he'll bring it down, he'll step away from the lad. Uh he was immense and he was doing all those type of things as the game went on and we really needed them, including at one point towards the end where he carried the ball up to the corner, having won uh, a kick out from Mali. He had no no right to win at all, took it on his chest beautifully and drove forward. But here he is doing the sharp end business that we need him to do to put us ahead, to score the goal that mattered, to keep us in this bloody thing. Uh, it's Thiago who wins a challenge. Uh, I thought he did very well when he came on for the record. Beautifully efficient with his passing. Uh, Jota um, swept the ball with his left foot. 
towards the left-hand side of the pitch and Diaz gets on to that. He checks back in, hits a little sort of medium height uh, cross, which we've seen him do a few times and he puts a lot of whip on these crosses. So Sadio has to just glance it because there'll be enough pace on the cross from uh, Diaz. But it's not easy, Jim. It's a, he kind of has to tuck his chin back into his neck and glance all the way around. It's a beautiful finish, really subtle, really delicate. He's not, not given half enough credit for what he does in the air. Um, and he puts his head. Talk to us a little bit about the goal. Uh, feel free to have a little uh, bit of, uh, of, of, of uh, chat about Sadio as well and his contribution. Yeah, I mean, Sadio, I will definitely come to him in a second. I think just just quickly, one thing I had observation had tonight was that I thought Trent played great. I think he was he was good going forward. He did plenty going back. I mean, it is the, the position he plays. The reason he gets criticised sometimes, I think, about his defending is because he's actually still at the other end of the pitch because an attack's just broken down and everyone's going, where's the fullback? Well, he's just nearly set up a goal. But the one thing I'm, I'm wondering about is how... I mean, the stats guys might have a better idea than me. How prolific is he actually from free kicks these days? Because he takes a lot of them and they don't all go in. So I don't know whether, you know, whether we should kind of vary that a little bit. Maybe let someone else have a go for a bit. But that's that's the that's like the the slightest bit of criticism I can find for him. And I actually think the sooner I say that out loud, he'll score the next one he takes. So that's, yeah, you know, that's yeah. the kind of player he is. So it is that you know that. But that is an interesting one. Is that you know. Is he is he the man to take all our free kicks? And I think maybe I've answered my own question in a sense because the, the other person who would take them wasn't on at that stage of the game and hasn't been great anyway. And that's that's uh, Mr. Salah who used to you know used to be decent from free kicks and doesn't seem to to get involved as much these days with those. So it's just it's just one of those things. I mean, Trent's brilliant at set pieces. I just think you know again maybe just look at someone else for the free kicks. But then as you say, uh, Thiago played. I think we were talking about the. You, you lose Fabinho and you think you lose your sort of solidity, your sort of defensive side of your midfield, but you, it's easy to sort of underplay because of how good he is at creating things, how good at defending things Thiago can be as well. Just the way you can win balls in midfield and just keep, you know, keep keep the door closed at the back before it gets to the back line, if you like. He just, he has that ability to read the game both ways, if you like. It's not just about reading the game so we can put a, an amazing pass in because not only is he good at passing, he's good at knowing where to pass. He's just good at you know, he's, he's got a good all-round game and I don't think we, we sort of maybe give him enough credit for the defensive side of his game. But of course, as Liverpool fans, what we're most interested in of all the kind of stuff we've been brought up on is attacking stuff, is about positive stuff, is about going and, and getting the things that you need to win games, which is goals. And there is no one better in the Liverpool squad right now than Mane. And that's that's something that maybe we never thought we'd say at the start of the season. As Mo said earlier on, you know, he's he's definitely not the player at the moment that he was at the start of the, uh, uh, the year, the calendar year. But, but Sadio Mane just keeps on getting better for some reason. He just keeps on going. And I think that's something about him is his determination. He just, I mean, you think about how much he must get kicked in a game, how much he must get, you know, he, he never looks worn out, never looks tired. He occasionally looks angry, but he never looks fed up. He's always determined. Even when he gets subbed, you kind of sense that he's, he's not annoyed with Klopp. He's just like, you know, I want to be there and help him win this thing because I know I'm capable. He had that header in the first half that just went wide, but it wasn't it wasn't the easiest one for him for him to get. But that that finish, um, great cross from Diaz. But the position Mane was in at the time, he was almost just a little bit too far forward. And time and again, you see those chances come to nothing because it's just there's too much for the striker to do in that amount of time. But he did it, and that was it. That 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 first goal was so scrappy from Liverpool. It was sort of 
you know, we just kept plodding away and eventually we got a goal and it was, it was a good one for our secret goal scoring hero, Matip, to get. But the, the, the goal at the end, the, the last goal, the winning goal was, was just a piece of class. And, you know, these are the goals that if we're going to do a montage at the end of the season of all the best goals, that's got to be in there. And it's not, not just for the, not just for the ability of the player and how good it looks, it's what it meant. Because I think up to that point, you're worrying that is this going to be a 1-1? Are we really out of it now? Because I think 1-1, we would we'd have thought that. Worse still, could we actually concede another? But that was the thing that kind of just underlined what we are. We just keep going. And, and Mane is the epitome of that, that we just keep going. We keep showing what we can do. We keep believing in ourselves. And if you keep doing that, you'll get somewhere. It, you can play in any of those front three positions. And, you know, when, when Klopp's got to decide who to pick out the five for his front three, or six if you count um, our last-minute uh, goal-scoring guy, Divock, then it's, it's to me, Mane's got to be the first choice. And, and I didn't think I would have said that with with um, Mo Salah, one of the five. But I think now, at this moment in time, Sadio's taken that place. He's got to be the one... If you know, when it comes to the Champions League final, you're not sure who to play. His name's got to be on the score sheet before you write any others on the on the team sheet before you write any others because he will be on the score sheet almost certainly. Yeah, he's just I I, I can't say enough good things about that kid. I absolutely can't. I see you see stories linking him with moves away. All I want to see is Sadio Mane playing for Liverpool for as long as possible at the highest. Uh, level possible. I have to say that um, I, I know an awful lot of people are qu- quick to get their get checkbooks out, their imaginary checkbooks, and and, and start doing doing sums based on um, what they reckon the valuations of other players are and all the rest of it. But for me, that's not a sum I ever want to do. I wouldn't even consider it. Uh, he's just so much a part of Klopp era Liverpool. Uh, possibly the most important player to Klopp here in Liverpool overall over the course of it, uh, if you're being honest. Um, Mo, the way the match pans out after that, I'm not I'm not 100% sure it's worth our while breaking it up. So I'm going to go through what I've got here, and I'm going to get you to then you can zero in on whatever bits and pieces of uh, that, 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 that part of the second half from the goal to the final whistle. Um, that you'd like to focus in on and what I'll do then is I'll go to Jim for his final thoughts and then back to you to finish the show so um, like I said there was uh, after the goal within another one of these moments um, Virgil dispossessed Ings uh, when Ings was in um, but Ings was offside and I was thinking to myself what would have happened if Virgil had lost that challenge and Ings got in and scores the goal you know, it's again, it's that you, you hope the decision goes your way, but things like ha- what happened earlier on, it just leaves you very, very rattled and uncertain about these type of things. They just, it, 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 it should not be such a joke shop. It should be far clearer at this stage. Um, and it will cause injuries and it will cause serious injuries over time because defenders will be stretching to make challenges. Uh, strikers will be doing the same and getting themselves injured. Uh, and it's just it's a, it's a daft rule that needs fixing anyway like i said for the rest of that half then some things of note there was a decent opportunity actually ings was played in by watkins uh and he's on the right hand side of the six yard box but ali's out uh to save brilliantly uh 69 minutes buendia comes on for coutinho and we bring on mo for diaz mo nearly gets straight in on a ball over the top 
Uh, there was a dangerous cross by Trent. We were really going for it at this stage. Nice little bit of football with Mo and Sadio, some interesting bits of juggling and we almost got in uh, with them, uh, but uh, led to a corner. Um, Joel had a header from that Simicast corner in 75 minutes, but it was pretty much at the keeper. Uh, Jota pulled the ball back on 76. Mo had a shot blocked, um, where again, possibly could have done a little bit better with it. Uh, Trent had a dangerous cross um, on 79 minutes. Uh, and on 80, they bring on Treore. Uh, Bertrand Traore for Watkins, who seemed to have hurt himself. Uh, that wouldn't be good for our hopes uh, for them against City because he is important for them. Decent move with Tendo, Sadio, Simicas led to a corner. Um, and only two minutes, there was a nabby half volley from that corner as the ball broke to him. It was very close, really decent hit by Nabi Keita. 83 minutes. We needed Allison to be brilliant. Um, a fantastic save from Ings. He was taking a shot from the right-hand side of the six-yard box. Um, we let Ings score a goal um, soon after this because he's clearly offside. Uh, and again, this thing is getting daft. Sadio drew a free on 86 minutes from a bit of a rough Henderson pass to him that was kind of head height. Uh, but Sadio being a monster that he is, he draws the free kick and gets himself fouled and we get to take a little bit of uh, control of the situation again. But 88 minutes, Cash got in, tried one from distance. He wasn't really in, if we're being honest. That's well wide of the near post, if we're being honest. There were four minutes added. Um, on 92, Buendia headed over a corner. Uh, then Sadio took the ball down in that moment I was talking to you about 93 minutes, goes through the corner uh, brilliant stuff and then on 95, and this is the one that stuck in my crawl a little bit more, I know you'll have noticed this as well from what you said earlier on we're in and we're making an attack and there's a ball back uh, uh, to Mo Salah and he, he has an opportunity to play someone in, it's just kind of a lazy lackadaisical hit which gives the ball away with just enough freaking time in the game for them to launch a counter-attack if they had enough about them. They didn't, as it was as it turned out. And, you know, the game panned out. But these little things matter, and these little things kind of, you, you do register them as you're watching the match. At least I do. Um, talk to me about that last part of the second half, Mo, and pick out whatever one or two features you'd like to focus on particularly. Yeah, I thought that uh, there were points in that in the closing stretch of the second half where we, we certainly could have scored one or two more. Um, the chances were there, as you noted, when Mo came on. Um, you know, he was in, but then uh, I think Cons just about did enough um, to put him off his stride and then, uh, you know, a bit of an errant touch and uh, Martinez was able to gather it. But, uh, you know, a prime Mo, certainly first half of the season Mo, uh, w- would have finished that um, with, with ruthless precision, and uh, you know, we would have then gone 3 1 up, and the game would have been out of sight. Um, but yeah, there was certainly also on the flip side a couple of heart in mouth moments, not least that um, goal that was um, flagged for offside. Um, but for that split second, um, it, it looked like they equalized, and uh, you know, our kind of hopes of um, winning a 20th league title. Seemed um, like that they they were gone for another season, uh, but uh, luckily it was it was comfortably offside and it was flagged and uh, you know we lived to um, this uh, faint hope 
continue until uh, game week 37. But um, I, I thought that overall um, there was certain stretches of, of that second half um, towards the end, especially in the final few minutes where um, Villa were getting in a little bit too easily for my liking and I would have liked to have seen a bit more control um, and obviously with a, a single goal lead um, there, there will always be nerves not only amongst us as fans but even to an extent those on the pitch and uh, you know, on, on another day um, Villa could easily have equalised and uh, fortunately for us they didn't um, and we managed to see, see it through um, but you know, it, it was one of those games where it was certainly far from a vintage performance. Um, but, you know, the most important thing about today uh, was, was to get the three points. I think that um, the uh, results over the weekend, both with us drawing and then um, City winning so comfortably and, um, you know, creating this comfortable kind of buffer in terms of goal difference. Um, I was worried that that would have a real um, psychological impact on our team and um, that we that fear was compounded in the first two or three minutes, um, but it was good to see us come in and um, you know exert some authority and show that there is that desire to kind of do our best to try and keep it going. And you know let, let's face facts here, you know we are on for 92 points, which would be um, by my reckoning the seventh best points haul in the history of the Premier League. Uh, which means it, it's one of the strongest uh, performances by any team in the Premier League in its 30 years. And, uh, you know, it, it's easy to forget that. And uh, I mean, amongst the potential disappointment that we might experience um, come the 22nd of May, uh, when, when this season comes to an end, um, certainly from the Premier League perspective. Uh, but, you know, we, we can't also forget the fact that all of us pretty much thought we were completely out of the race um, at the turn of the calendar year and the fact that we're still in a race you know in, in this final fortnight of the season is testament uh, to the quality of not only our players but even coaching staff and everyone involved that you know that there's been this desire not to give up and to believe in ourselves and believe in the quality that we have and i think it, it even if the title doesn't materialize i think it really puts us in a good position going into next season where I think we've found our confidence again after a nightmare 2021 season and uh, I'd really fancy our chances for 2022-2023 yeah, I couldn't agree more I, I really enjoyed it I enjoyed listening to that perspective I think you're right and um, just looking ahead to Wolves and then the two teams in Claret and Blue, West Ham and uh, Aston Villa, and maybe it's a good omen. My my old club, Park Villa, that I played my football with were Claret and Blue. Who knows? Maybe they'll do as a favour, and uh, maybe that's still on. It's just so exciting to be able to talk about still, if we're being perfectly honest. Uh, Jim, let's finish uh, your uh, section of the show then by getting your take overall uh, in terms of just assessment of where we're at, what you thought of the game, if there's anything in particular that we, we didn't uh, pick up on that you wanted to. And then just if you have anything coming up over the next little while, let folks know what it is. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I agree with Mo as well. I had that same thought that when when we went behind you know, and on and off in other times, you start to think, is our, has our confidence gone? Because it's as if we lost on Saturday and we didn't, we drew. We, we drew against a team who were 
probably very, you know got a very good chance of being in next season's Champions League. Maybe they won't. Maybe it's just a bit of a step too far. But you know they're, they're a strong side, certainly a lot stronger than the side below them in the league, Manchester United, who who could only get 61 points this season, and we can get, as we've just been told by Mo, we can get 92. So we haven't got them yet, but we could get them. And I think you know we we sort of knew it was a tall order for us to win the league once we drew against City because it was always down to them slipping up and us not slipping up but in fact if anything really it was down to them slipping up a little bit more than we did and that is still possible and although you know it's a very very faint hope and all the rest of it you know you can't you wouldn't sort of bet your life on it and all the rest of it who knows in football someone pointed out to me on Twitter the other day as well it might not be that they lose a game it might be that they draw two and that you know that's not out of out of the uh, realms of possibility it was i think when we when i saw the way they reacted to going out of the champions league when they hammered their opponents five nil and then as you say the, the first part of the game today was struggling you think oh well you know psychology plays a big part in football but then you remember jürgen klopp is the master psychologist we don't need dr um whatever his name was who had the human chimp was it steve peters that we had yeah. when, when brendan rogers was here i know he still does lots of work in 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 sport but you don't need him when you've got someone like jürgen klopp in in the place because he is you know he's a he's a natural born psychologist he knows how to get the best out of the players how to get them on the right side of things how to get them thinking right the mentality monsters and all the rest of it so We've, we have come so close against a team that can just keep putting money, whatever, it, you know, can find another company to, to be its real, you know, genuine sponsor and everything. And so we've we've done so well to do it this way. I don't think Pep Guardiola is right in saying that um, everybody else supports us and everybody hates City because I don't think some of the stuff we get, at least, I don't think everyone loves Liverpool, but we do. And this is what and this is why we love them, because even tonight, when we were sort of maybe looking our wounds a bit, we still came out on top. We still won that game. We won it against one of our old heroes. He was playing against with, sorry, playing with one of our old heroes. And there's certainly signs there that Gerard's got something good going at Villa. But the the other thing as well is, of course, that man Klopp has just signed a four-year deal, so we don't need to worry for quite some time about whether or not Gerard is the right man to be our next manager because we've got a long time to think about it. And there's. You know, and that's that's another one of the things about this season that you know Klopp's ready to give us more of the same next season, but we still got this one to finish. We can still win the league if City slip up enough, if someone else helps us out a little bit. We can still win another two trophies, two big trophies. We could end the season with a treble. Lots and lots of games. Nothing's a foregone conclusion, and that's you know that's that's what it that's what football is. You know, if it was a foregone conclusion, it'd be boring. It'd be I don't know wrestling or something, wouldn't it? So. Sorry, wrestling fans. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it is. It's a, it's a real sport. It's a real game. You never know what's going to happen. No matter what the form book says, that can all go out the window very easily. You just get one dodgy ref, one bad day, you know, one ref on a bad day, one rush of blood to the head from one of the best players in the world and lets, lets things slip. These things can all happen. So let's see. Let's just enjoy what's left. My recent podcast um, with Jay, our recent scouts at Tommage, we did record it last week but we focused more than anything on the um the FA Cup final which is coming up and a little bit on the Champions League and what you know and again and what the season's been and how that's going down in Liverpool we also talked a little bit on there about um the injustice if you like of how tickets are distributed for finals so please have a listen if you can and I'm sure Jay and I'll get another one recorded soon as well because there's so much to talk about as we've just shown on here tonight 
For sure, yeah. Make it make it your business. Go listen to Jim and Jay. Uh, their chats are always great, and um, they sound like particularly interesting topics. Ones that have been on my mind for sure. And Mo, let's finish the show with your wrap up thoughts again. If there's anything in the match overall or the second half that you wanted to dive in on, um, give us your overall assessment of where you feel we are in terms of what's left, what's available. And if you got anything coming up for folks to listen to, uh, do let them know as well. Yeah, well, I mean, I think one of the things that uh, you have to bear in mind is, you know, every single one of these players in our squad now has one eye on uh, Paris on the 28th of May. And so I felt that when we played against Spurs at the weekend, there were some individuals that even if it was only 2 or 3%, slightly playing within themselves and I felt there was a bit of that today and I think we might see that in the remaining two or three games of the domestic season which is understandable um, but you know it, it is hopefully nonetheless something that won't um, put us off you know winning uh, the FA Cup at the weekend and uh, securing a couple more wins in the Premier League and seeing where that uh, where that takes us but uh Overall, um, it was the three points that mattered the most, and we scored them yet again. Um, so you know, that was certainly pleasing. Um, in, in terms of um, anything that I've got upcoming, so um, Dave Gags, uh, Mr. Uh, Dan Kennett, and I are back for the transfer committee, um, and that will be recorded before the end of this month, and all being well, released before the Champions League final. So. Uh, we always have a lot of fun with that. And on top of that, um, I will hopefully be recording uh, another Money Talks um, with a guest to talk about Liverpool's um, commercial side uh, of their operation. Um, and also, I understand that uh, the Premier League's three-year investigation into Manchester City's own commercial deals uh, and other affairs is about to come to a conclusion. Um, so, you know, you never know. They, they may be docked points this season. They might be stripped of season-to-season <laughs> pass. Who knows? So um, anything can potentially come out of that story. But uh, as and when it does, I'll, I'll be ready to deliver uh, a pod on that as well. Fantastic. I do. Uh, I do look forward to all of those things. And I do also have a very cynical uh, part of my brain that's thinking there's uh, a certain amount of money, whatever that magic number is, that's landing to ensure that that investigation will go swimmingly uh, for the Blues. But let's see how that pans out. Uh, That was always, as ever, a great chat with Mo and with Jim. Uh, The season just keeps rolling on. Um, these, These lads of ours keep winning right back in the conversation as Brendan used to say back in the day but now we genuinely are all of it is up for grabs we'll be back at the weekend with an FA Cup final uh, Raw and it will just keep going from there so do stay with us Um, we appreciate you uh, for listening and staying with us all throughout the season if you're new tell people about it and let them get their ears around this show we're very proud of what we do here on the channel uh, and especially I can speak for uh, us here on the Raw team because um, it is a big effort to go straight on after these matches and try to talk sensibly because sometimes you don't feel like doing that uh, we do try and hopefully you appreciate it we appreciate you for sure I've been Trev Downey, you heard Jim Boardman you heard Mo Chatra up the Reds We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show 
please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.